Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Healing is real. Healing is real. And you know what I like about showing testimonies like this? Because you can see real people with real problem and a real God that healed people. It is so powerful. And you know, as I, I love <clears throat> ministering on healing and teaching on healing, but, and, and, and I love teaching and, 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 and showing people that God, it is always, 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 did I say it? Always the will of God to heal. Because here is the thing, if you have one little doubt, one beady little doubt that it might not be the will of God to heal, then that's where the devil's going to jump on and you're not going to get healed. And so it is so important to number one, realize that healing is always the will of God. And you know, oftentimes people, and you know, and, and you, you see people like to love to go to the Old Testament to try to prove to you that, you know, God doesn't always heal or, you know, God making people sick and everything. And I, and I, and I always like to say, you know, that like Hebrew 1, chapter 1, verse 3 says in the old times, God spoke to people through the prophet, but it was a veiled revelation. But he says in the last days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the exact expression, the imprint, the image of his will, his character of God. In other words, if you want to know God, perfect theology, look at Jesus. What he said, what he did, and how he did it. Amen. And you know, when I look at Jesus, when he walked on earth, that's where I, I like to spend a lot of my time. Because he is my example. He's the one that is showing us what to do, how to do it. And when I look at Jesus, not one time did Jesus refuse to heal people. Or not one time he made people sick. But the Bible said, I mean, if you look in the book of Matthew alone. If you turn to the book of Matthew, and you know the reason why I go to the book of Matthew and stay in the book of Matthew. Lest you think I'm manipulating the scriptures and I'm going from one gospel to the other gospel, sharing the same story. You understand what I'm saying? But if you go to the book of Matthew, for example, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it says that Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kind of sickness and all kind of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all of Syria. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various disease and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptic, paralytic, and he healed them. I mean, you could easily have the liberty to say he healed them all. 
because he healed them. Who is them? All the people that brought, all the epileptic, all the paralytic, all the demon possessed, all etc. etc. He healed them all. I mean, here again, Matthew 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. Here again, he was not just one isolated instance. But you look through the book of Matthew that again and again and again, he healed them all. Matthew 9.35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, what does every mean? It means all, any, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. That's what it means. Here again, another time, Jesus healed every, you know, he didn't look at sickness and said, well, yeah, I can heal, heal that little sickness or that or that, but cancer. Ooh, you said the C word. No. No, there wasn't one sickness too small or too big. He healed it all. Amen. Matthew 12, 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitude followed him and he healed them. Now, let me, I want you to think a second. Because people in their mind, they have that notion of that thinking that there is always that isolated case. There is always that exception that God cannot heal or will not heal because you know, for X reason, God is not going to heal that person. Now, let me think about it. Here, Jesus is facing multitudes. When you talk about multitude, it talks about so many people that they cannot even count them. I mean, he fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. Apparently, he counted them. But then when he starts talking about just multitude and the great multitude you know what i mean it's so beyond us being able to count them and so if there was that one exception that god could not or would not heal don't you think that it could be found somewhere among a multitude but you don't find that Jesus is in front of multitude and great multitude. And you never, never hear that there was that one case that God, God could not or would not heal. He healed them all. Hallelujah. Matthew 14, verse 13 and 14. And Jesus heard it. He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion. And he told them, let me just hold your hand. Everything's going to get better one day. No, Jesus was moved with compassion. And you know what? That compassion was a signal 
from the Father, the love of God flowing from Him, saying, Son, I want to heal them all. Son, I want to heal right now. And when He felt that flow of compassion, it was for Him like a signal that God wants to move and heal them all. And He did. And there is always those, and oftentimes in the church, but not this church, but some other church, that will always say, well, you know, and they'll pray if it is the will of God. Putting it into the hands of God, like, if it is your will, heal me. And we see a case like that in the Bible, a poor leper. Just like many Christians today, he knew that God had all, all the power to heal. He knew that God had all the power to heal. And he approached Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean or healed. In another word, he was saying, I know healing is not of, you know, you've got the power, but I'm not sure you're really willing. You see, he, that's what he was doubting. He wasn't doubting the power of God. He was doubting the willingness of God. And you know what I love about this right here? Is that Jesus, the Bible says that he stepped up and he touched the man and he said, I am willing. And you know the word I am willing in Greek? It's the word telo etelo. And you know what it means? It doesn't mean, well, yeah, I will today. It means I desire. It's my intent. It's my, uh, it's my intention. It's my drive. It's my passion. It's my delight. It's my pleasure. Be thou healed. Right there. Jesus put the things back in his place saying, it is not a matter of me willing or not. I am. I want. It's my design, my design, my intention, my pleasure. And then he put his hand. And you know, for me, it shows the tenderness of Jesus, the compassion, the love, the heart. Because here is a leper. I don't know if you've ever been around any lepers. I used to live in India and I've been around lepers. And what happened is the nervous system just, you know, all of a sudden they cannot feel anything. And they bump, you know, they, and then during the night the rats would go and eat their knuckles and their toes. And so you'll find lepers you know, that are totally deformed. But a thing about lepers, you know, it's like they are not allowed to go in public. They would be ostracized, separated, but you know, in like in India, they had leper colonies where they were, you know, in, in a wilderness somewhere, you know, separated from the people. So imagine that guy that not only was he broken physically, but he was broken emotionally. I mean, think about it. Maybe he had a family and kids, a wife. He could no longer hug them. He could never see and take his kids in his arms. He could never be around his friend, his loved one. That man was broken. And you see Jesus, he was not a clinical Jesus that just, I will. Be that. No, he went and reached out not only to heal that man's body, but to heal that man's heart. And by putting his hand for a rabbi to put his hand on him, he was declaring, you have worth to me. 
I love you. You mean something to me. And right there, he healed his heart and he put him back into that dignity and back into society. That's my Jesus. And so we see that it is always when you see Jesus, you see the heart of the Father, you see Father theology, his heart, his will, his way of doing things, that's who he is. But this is what I want to talk about tonight. Because you and I know now, hopefully without a shadow of a doubt, that it is always the will of God doesn't mean that that will will happen automatically. And that's where many people miss it. Because we have that romantic idea that if something is the will of God, bam, bam, it's going to happen. And you see a lot of people that need healing, that pray, but they are like somewhat... In, in, in a passive mode or in a, a hoping and a wishing and like waiting for God to do it. But you know, when I look into my Bible and especially you look at the people in the Bible that God, their healing and God, their miracles, and you really pay close attention and you start looking and reading between the line and you start really watching, you realize that those people when they approached Jesus, they, just, they were not just nonchalant and passive, waiting for God to do it all. I mean, you, you see, for example, now let me read you one verse. Because we have that impression, like I just read you all those verses in the book of Matthew, that Jesus was in front of all the multitude and he healed them all. And yes, it does sound so easy, like, Bam, that's it, you know. But when you pay close attention and you start watching really what happened, and why is it that when people came to Jesus, he was able to heal them all? Why was it? I mean, listen to that one verse. In Matthew 15, verse 29 through 30. See, Jesus departed from there skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain. Okay? Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down there. Then great multitude came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet and healed them. And we read that and we're like, oh, God, that was easy. You know, that, but I mean, stop a second. Have you ever tried to hike up a mountain? That already can be a little challenge to go up. But then with the maimed, with the mute, with the blind, with people on, you know, on stretchers and you read that like in very romantic like it was easy really you've got the main the the blind i mean try to imagine somebody hiking up a mountain with the with a blind okay wait wait there is a hole wait wait there is a stone wait 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 you know it's already tiring if you're in good health 
So here we see something. That those people, they went to Jesus and they got healed just as easy. Why? Because their faith was activated. Their faith was expecting. You can only expect when, how can I say it? Help me, Lord. By the time those people got to Jesus, their faith had already been activated. It took faith for them to take the blind, the maimed, the mute, the, the paralyzed, uh, the people on the street. It took faith for them to say, we're going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Whatever it takes to take to Jesus. And the moment they got in front of Jesus, they were healed. And now we think about it because you read all of that and you think, well, that was just easy. But I discovered something in the Bible. And that's where people oftentimes make a, a, a mistake. You know, they, you know, in Matthew 11, and I have that album about the violent take it by force. We have that impression that the violence we have to exert is against God. Trying to motivate him, to convince him, sometimes put his arm behind you, try to manipulate him, trying to convince him that he's got to heal him. So we're going to put pressure. I'm going to fast, and I'm going to fast 40 days until God feels so sorry for me that he's going to heal me. Don't look at me so holy and innocent. I mean, if you pay attention and you listen to some Christians... On how they approach the thing, they need healing or they need something. And it's almost like they're trying to put pressure on God to convince him or to get something from him. As if God was holding something back. But here is a truth that I have discovered. And, and, and Holy Spirit help me. I'm trying to get everything is we know that we know that we know healing is always the will of God. And you and I can even have greater boldness, greater confidence in God, and greater expectancy. Because for you and I, healing has already been paid for and it has already been given. You see, when we read in Matthew about the multitude and the great multitude coming to Jesus and Jesus healed them all, do you know that Jesus was healing them on credit? What do I mean by that? What is this? A credit card. Why do you use a credit card for? Because you want to go to the store. You don't have the cash at hand. So you just let, let pretend you want to get a flat screen TV. Don't even think about it. It's got enough as it is. If it was up to him, he'd have, you know, five in every room. But anyway just joking that's not true that's not true honey but anyway just joking you, you, you like to laugh right honey <laughs> <laughs> I 
But you want to get that TV, so you go to the store and you present your credit card and they'll go jing jing or jing jing, whatever they do. And then you take the TV home. But what happens? It's one month later that you get a bill in the mail and it's at that moment that you are paying for the TV. Would you agree with me? So what, what am I trying to say? That from the time that men fell in the garden and that sickness entered into the world, when Jesus walked on earth until the time Jesus went to the cross, God wanted to heal people and he healed them all and he healed and he healed, but he healed them at credit. Ching, 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 ching. Every time he healed somebody, ching, ching, he healed at credit. But the day Jesus hung on the cross and bled, bled and gave his blood and died, what happened? He was paying the bill, paying the invoice. So you know what that means? That means that you and I, we can have that confidence, that surety, that we know that we know that it's no longer a matter of, is God wanting to heal me? But it's a matter of it has already been paid he has already given to me but it's up to me to go and get a hold of it and that's the reason why in matthew 11 verse 12 jesus told the disciples he says the kingdom of god suffers violence and you know in the bible when he talks about the kingdom of god very often Jesus would heal the people or would cast demons out of people and he would say, the kingdom of God is come near you. He would heal people and he would say, the kingdom of God is right here. So healing is part of the kingdom. It's part of God's reign and rule. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God is suffering violence. He said, but the violence will take it by force. What was Jesus trying to show us? That God is wanting to bring healing, deliverance, freedom, prosperity, life, and life in abundance. But there is another one, the enemy, that is not, doesn't want to let it happen, that doesn't want to let it flow, that doesn't want to allow you and I to get a hold of that healing. And the pressure will, it will put pressure on you. But Jesus said, yeah, the kingdom of God will suffer violence. The devil will try to put pressure on you, to convince you, to stop you, to hinder you. He said, but the violent will take it by force. That means that you and I, once we understand healing is part of the kingdom and it belongs to me. Because it is Father good's pleasure to give me the kingdom. But I understand there is an enemy on the other side that's not too happy about it. And that's going to put pressure and hindrance and try to stop you. But you and I, we know it's the will of God. But it's going to take you and I to stand up and to take it by force. And that's what happened to those people. When they climbed up the mountain, they were showing a certain type of violence it takes a certain type of <clears throat> of violence to say i don't care what it takes i don't care if i i might just fall 10 times i'm gonna get back up and i'm if i can only go to jesus i mean look at the woman with the issue of blood 
Here is the woman with Yeshua of blood because we read the Bible and we know that it's the will of God to heal. So we assume that it's going to happen automatically. Not so. You see the woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus that he healed. But here is a little woman who had lost blood for 12 years. That meant she had no physical strength. Oh, hardly. She spent all of her money. She went from doctor to doctor, doctor. She spent all of her money. You can imagine she was discouraged. She was weak. And not only that, the law was against her. The law said, if you are impure, you're not allowed to go in public. And the law said, much less touch a rabbi. If we find you, we'll stone you. Every death was around against her. But that didn't stop her. You can see that little woman showed a certain type of violence. She decided, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And all of a sudden here, she hears of Jesus. And what does she see? A huge crowd. You know what she did? Most people would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too weak. I'm not strong enough. I can. I'm just a little woman. I cannot go against that crowd. That didn't stop her. She pushed through. I mean, have you ever tried, I mean, like, go to a concert? I mean, I remember in my BC days, try to go to a concert, and you want to go to the front. I mean, you push, you go, you shove, you... You'd want to get there. That's what she did. She exerted herself. And I can imagine that little voice that spoke, oh, you're doing, doing it again. If they find you, they'll kill you. They'll humiliate you. They'll trample you. They'll make an example out of you. You know, I mean, I don't know what that little woman heard, but it didn't stop her. Not only physically, she had no strength. Emotionally, she was spent discouraged but she pressed against every obstacle and she finally finally touched jesus and you know i love jesus D did you ever wonder why i mean jesus felt power come out of him and did you ever wonder why jesus stopped i mean jairus was waiting with a little daughter near death and jesus stopped and said who touched me he knew somebody got healed. You know why Jesus took the time to stop and ask who it was that got healed? Because he did not want that little woman to leave thinking she had stolen and healing from God. He wanted her to be able to speak out and give her testimony. Because once you get and you speak out your testimony, it seals it in your heart. She showed certain violence. A little woman. Oh, think about the four guys with, uh, uh, you know, carrying a, 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 a paralyzed on a stretcher. I mean, they go to a house, they hear about Jesus, and here they go. You know, they knock on the door. Bam, sorry, no, no, you know, no room. Most Christians today, you know what they would have thought? We cannot get inside. Well, I guess it must not be the will of God. Maybe it's for another day. Maybe it's not our day, maybe another time. If it was the will of God, I could have got in. But it didn't stop them. They said, uh-uh, we cannot go through the door, forget it. We find a way. I mean, they went on the roof. They made a hole. 
And think about it. How big a hole did they have to make to lower a guy on a stretcher? And it seems easy. I mean, like I'm saying, so many times we read the Bible and it seems easy. It seems like it just flowed. But when you stop and you pay attention, you see that every person that got them miracle, they showed a certain violence. They showed a certain, you know, pushing against the forces, the hindrances, the nose, and anything that was on their way. And they went on top. And you know, it puzzles me because I think like, here, the guy is in front of Jesus. Why is it that Jesus told him, son, your sins are forgiven? Makes no sense. He doesn't need forgiveness. He needs healing. Why? Because I, I, my, I, I, I think about it. And I, you know what I think? Jesus knew that that man was, had, had, was so ridden with guilt, condemnation, and shame. That even if Jesus would have laid hands, that man would not have been able to receive that healing. And I cannot tell you the number of times where I've prayed for people. And the Holy Spirit will show me they have to be able to feel, you know, worthy or good to understand that God loves them before they can receive. That's the way, you know, this is the way that uh, Jesus did things. And I love, I love it. Or oh, I love that one, blind Bartimaeus. I mean, here he's on the side of the road and he hear a commotion. And finally, you know, he finds out, you know, Jesus is right there. And he started to shout, Jesus, son of David. I mean, out of, you know, pretty loud. You would think that the people around him would have encouraged him, would have cheered him up, say, come on, we're with you, brother. Okay, I mean, when you're ready, we'll take, uh-uh. They started to say, shut up. You, I mean, Jesus is not in the village and you're gonna embarrass us? He'll never come back. And they started to try to tell him to intimidate him. To tell him to be quiet. But Bartimaeus, he didn't stop him. He started to shout louder. Oh, I love it. It got Jesus' attention. You know, so many times where you are taking a stand for Jesus. And taking a stand for healing. And in, in some, even sometime around your friends or your family or co-workers. And you're saying, Jesus heals and it's his will to heal, and people are, you don't believe that stuff, do you? And people start to intimidate you and try to make you doubt the very truth that you know. That's when you have to be like Black Mark Barmidis. It's like, what do you mean? You don't believe that? You don't believe that God is good? What's wrong with you? You know, I love what Andrew said. He said, you know, what's wrong? You know, he will say, he said, you know, that's not wrong with me. What's wrong with you? We got to turn the table on those people. But the point I'm making is that don't let other people's opinion and what they think and believe and say stop you from getting a hold of this healing and take it by force. Well, here is another one. 
I mean, because you read things in the Bible and you just think that it just, it was a, like, like abracadabra, you know, Jesus, bum, bum, bum. But you know, like I said, healing faith is the mode of operation in the kingdom of God. And things flow, things are received, things work. There's got to be faith somewhere. Whether it's the person praying or the person receiving, faith has to be there. And so many times, people was, Jesus was able to heal all because people's faith were already activated. By the time they got to him, the power of God would flow. I mean, like the man by the pool of Bethesda. You read that example where he was there for 30 years, 38 years, by the pool, waiting for the stirring of the water. And then Jesus comes in, incognito. And you know what he asked? He said, do you want to be well? What an odd question. And you think, do you want to be well? Well, first of all, I'd like to add that it's not automatic. Not everybody that is sick won't automatically want to be well. Because some people find, finally, they find comfort, sympathy, social security. Don't, well, come on. I was in Romania and I prayed for a little boy that was paralyzed, never walked before. That little boy, I think he was two years old, started to, to, to walk and run. And the mom got mad at me. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? Why? She said, how am I going to do it? They're going to cut my, my social security. They're going to cut my... And I understand because that's how she lived, you know, and... But anyway, let's move right along. <laughs> He's right there by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? But the word here again, do you want? Do you know what that word actually means? In Greek, it means, are you determined to be made well? And the guy says, well, but I don't have anybody to drop me in the water when it, it moves. What he was saying I'm waiting for somebody to do it for me. I'm waiting for somebody to do it all. And Jesus says, do you really want, are you determined, and I paraphrase, are you determined to do what needs to be done to get your healing? And then you know what he asked him to do? Pick up your bed and walk. And you read that and you're like, well, but you know what the next verse says? And it was the Sabbath day. You know what Jesus was asking him to do? He was asking him to do something that would go against the religious system of the day. And that could get him kicked out of the synagogue. And because the guy did it. Bam. That was faith. That was spiritual violence. He was willing to do. To activate his faith by doing what God was telling him to do. And you know, oftentimes. Now when I minister, oftentimes and I minister to people. I get like a bulldog sometimes. 
Because number one, I know that healing is always the will of God. And my heart is to help people to get a hold of it and to start activating their faith. Not just wishing and a hoping and a waiting for somebody to do it all, or hoping and a wishing that God's gonna do it when he won when, when he's gonna do it, but you understand, wait a second, that healing is mine. It's been paid for, it's been given to me, it's mine. And I'm going to take it. I'm not going to let the devil steal it from me. I'm going to grab it. And I'm not going to let him rob it from me. I'm going to take it. You know, I, that reminds me. I was in Switzerland. And I was ministering um, for a businessman event. And they brought to me a woman in a wheelchair. And her husband had beat her up so bad that it had compromised the, the, the nerves or the the column, you know, the spine. And so she was paralyzed and the doctor said, you, you're not gonna be able to walk. And so that she was not only paralyzed, but she was depressed. And, I, and, and as I approached her, I mean, you know, the first thing is I'm just gonna pray and just tell us to get up. But the Holy Spirit checked me and he said, uh-uh, don't do that. He says, with her, it's gonna be progressive. And then he said this to me. He says, she will first have to stand up on the inside before she can stand up on the outside. And it made me think, and I went, what is that? What do you mean? And what the Lord was showing me is that that woman, because of what the doctor had said, she had somewhat accepted it. She had somewhat resigned herself to it and started to see herself live that way. And so right there, Holy Spirit spoke to me and I started to, to egg her on, to stir her up and started to teach her and show her that she could, she did not have to accept it, that she had to be angry against sickness on the inside. You know, we've got to learn to see and hate, because the Bible says in Romans 12, 9, that we have to hate evil. Sickness is evil. Unfortunately, we've been conditioned, we, and hopefully, we hate sin, but we have learned to accept sickness, to learn to live with it, to accommodate it, to front parking it. To wheelchair in front of everybody it. We have learned to accept it and to live with it. But you and I have to learn to hate it more than anything else. And it takes a hatred on the inside for that sickness. And it says, I will not live one more day with that thing. I'm going to fight it. If I, even if I die, I'm going to die fighting. Even if I die, I'm going to die hating it, fighting it with everything in me. I will not submit myself, resign myself to it. And you see, our attitude against sickness has a lot to do whether or not we are going to be able to grab a hold of our healing. And that reminds me something. And by the way, let me conclude on that lady. 
as I started to talk to her and show her that she did not have to accept it. And then I started to teach her. I spent 30 minutes with her, teaching her on how to release her faith, how to grab a hold of it and, 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 and receive it. Well, two months later, she sent me um, an email saying, Audrey, I'm not walking yet, but I'm moving my toes. And you know, God has taught, taught me that we have to appreciate and never despise any little progress, but celebrate it. And so I rejoiced. But one year later, I was in the same city in Annecy, France, and I'm preaching, and I see on the corner of my eyes a beautiful lady. I mean, she's got her eyes glued on me. And I see her, she's smiling beautiful. And at the end of the service, she comes walking towards me. Long story short, it was that lady. Totally. And she told me, she said, it took me, she said, it took me nine months to get out of the wheelchair. But she said, I refused to give up. I pressed in and I would gain ground a little bit at a time. But she got out of it. And she said, now, she said, I got a job. She said, I got a job. And she said, now my next thing is I'm, I'm going to take my driver's license so I can drive. It changed that lady's life. And so now, when I approach sickness, I approach with that, knowing that it's always the will of God, and that we have got to tell, put the devil back in its place. And, and I love when it happens, and I see a lot of instantaneous. Hallelujah. And I believe that's what we need to press towards and contend for. Amen. But if we don't, it doesn't mean that it's not the will of God. If it's not instantaneous, it doesn't mean that God wants you to, you know, simmer in your juices and wait. No, it means we've got to press against the, the devil. And we've got to show that spiritual violence against the sickness and the forces of evil that will try to hinder. So it takes that bulldog, tenacious, like, again, that little widow in front, you know, the unjust judge. I love it. You know, that little widow knew her right, knew what belonged to her. And she approached that unjust judge. And she pretty much told him, I'm not leaving until I get what's mine. And Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge is saying. Lest she wearies me before, because of her continual coming, I will give it to her lest she wears me. And people think that, you know, she was begging and begging. and No, no, no. That word, because of her continual coming, it's the Greek word that is the word, eistelos erkomai. And you know what it means? To come, to be set until the end. She pretty much like a bulldog, she said, hey, I'm going to camp in front of your door. Hey, I brought my sandwich, I brought my coffee thing. I'm staying here and I'm not moving until you avenge me. You give me my right. And the guy say, lest she worries me because obviously she's not going to give up. Obviously she's not going to quit. Obviously she's, you know, she's set up till the end. I might as well let her have it. If the devil knows that we have that type of bulldog attitude against him, he's going to say, lest she worries me because of she's set until the end, I might as well let it go. 
And that's when Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes back on the earth, will he find that kind of faith? That kind of bulldog faith, violent. And you know, I remember, and that's, that's such a powerful testimony. Because once I understood this, and I see, and to see, to try to help people. Like we were not long ago in Colorado for the healing. And there is a young woman who had, could not see. Her eyes was all blurry and kind of watery. And she could not see. I mean, like if you would turn and see the name Audrey Mack in big letter there. She said, no, it's all blurry. And we took her out and prayed for her. And I must have spent 30 minutes with her. And again, and again. And I would not quit. She started to see, and the next day she came and she said, I can see the thing perfectly. The problem often time is we give up so easily. And I listen to this, and that is gonna bless you tremendously. I was in France doing a Catholic conference. Oh, hallelujah. And they brought to me twins, identical twins, two twins. One of them was walking, running, happy. The other was in a wheelchair. And they said, would you please pray for her, Mathilde? So, you know, I just went and started to ask questions. And then I found out that a year before, her sister had exactly the same sickness. I mean, identical twins, same DNA. And the year before, they both were in a wheelchair and they both had the same sickness, which was Lyme disease. They couldn't walk. They, their parents had to do everything for them. And I want to show you a picture of little Mathilde and Clemence. They both are in a wheelchair and that's in the early stage. But that, that year when they came to the conference, they were getting worse and worse. And a friend of mine prayed for them both. Same person that prayed for both of them, the same prayer. Little Clemence got healed and got out of the wheelchair. But little Mathilde didn't get healed. Adrienne, show me the yeah. And here you are, they are in some, some kind of symposium about Lyme disease. And it puzzled me. And I'm like, wait a second. The same twins, same DNA, you know, same sickness. And I say, Lord, because when I minister, I just, you know, I, I listen and talk to the Lord. I say, why is it that they both had the same twins with the same sickness why is it that one got healed and the other didn't? It puzzled me. And then I asked the Lord. And you know what he told me? He said, look at their personalities. I'm like, what do you mean? What does this have to do? And I watched and I noticed that little Clemence was more of an assertive type of personality. A go-getter, almost kind of a little bossy type, like tell you what to do, you know. She had that more stronger personality. And then I watched little Mathilde, super shy. 
And by that time, a year later, her health had degraded even more. She was, she could even, she was losing her voice. She could talk like that. So I had to put my ear next to her mouth to even hear what she was saying. She couldn't walk. She couldn't move. Her parents had to do everything for her. And I went, Lord, can this be? I mean, it seemed so far-fetched. I mean, it seemed so like, how can that be a, a connection? And God says, look at them. Clemence is very assertive, a little more aggressive, and Mathilde is super shy. And I saw that, I went, so Lord, if that is a reason why Mathilde didn't get healed, then that can be changed. That, some, she can get helped. So right there, I studied to, and by the time the conference was finished, so they were packing the tent and everything, so I had time. So I started to spend time with little Mathilde, and I started to kind of provoke her and kind of poke her and almost making her angry. And honestly, the people were around watching me and listening to me, and you could see the aura on their face, like, what a mean lady. <laughs> I mean, they were looking, I mean, some of them were like, you know, looking at me like, you know, but I didn't care. I had a job to get done. So I started to spoke to her, and I'm like, aren't you sick and tired of people doing everything for you? Don't you want to get up and run? Look at your sister. She's having fun. She's running with a friend. Aren't you tired? Sick and tired to be stuck to that. I mean, I started to count. And then, I mean, I kept at it. And then the Lord, all of a sudden, gave me a word. He said, in her heart, she thinks that God played favorite, that it's God that chose to heal Clemence and not her. So right there, I said, look at me, Mathilde. I said, God did not play favorite. Do you know why you're not healed, why Clemence is healed and you're not? I said, it's because of your personality. You're too shy. You are letting the devil walk all over you. And I started poke her some more. And then, I, and then when I said that, I could see her eyes as she realized that she had believed the lie. She had accepted it thinking that God had something to do with it, that God was playing favorite. And then I started to talk to her and I said, honey, I said, would you like to get married one day? And she looked. And I said, well, how would you like to go and get and walk down the aisle in a wheelchair? Say, <laughs> so wouldn't you want to go and walk at the, at the hand of your dad and walk towards your, your... And I'm starting to kind of make her think and make her see and make her want. Long story short, then I start to you know, minister to her. Then finally I said, you're ready to get up now, aren't you? I mean, think about it, her, ears are like, her, her legs are like noodles. And I said, you ready to walk now? And she's like, so I lift, with her dad, we lifted her up. And then I'm behind her, and I'm kicking her legs. I'm like, you're going to walk. So I'm pushing her legs, and we're holding her, because she, like, she can't hold. She's like tall noodles. And we're holding her, and that went on for like 20 minutes, and I pushed her. We must have walked like two miles. I don't know. But we kept at it and kept at it. And finally, until the time where she could hold herself, 
she could stand by herself. And then she started to move like this, like this. And that went on for a little more until she started to go a little more. And then finally I had to leave, I had to leave them. But I told the parents, I said, do not put her back in that wheelchair. Do not let her see herself in that wheelchair. I said, you're gonna have to paint a picture, talk to her, don't make it so easy. You know, one of the problem often time with sick people is we make it so easy and we pamp, I mean, we have compassion, we have empathy, we love people, but we have to draw a line, not to do it in a way where all of a sudden, you know, it's like we are handicapping people from moving and acting and standing up. You know what I mean? We've got to see, we've got to have love and compassion, but yet see when we need to help people to step out of there. But two weeks later, I got a video from the parents of little Mathilde. Video number one, Adrian. But I want you to pay attention and see something about little Mathilde. Can you see how shy she is? She won't even face the camera. Tu fais un petit coucou, Mathilde, un petit coucou. But it even gets even better. A couple of months later, they sent me another video of little Mathilde. Show the second video. Allez Mathilde, allez Allez Mathilde, pense à la récompense Oh la glace Tiens Mathilde la glace, tiens Merci You can even see a difference in her, in her countenance and you know that after that, she was the star in a little, you know, play, you know, at her at the home community. They put on a little play. She was the star, walking and doing her little thing. A kid that was so shy that he didn't even want to talk or look at anybody. Totally set free. But that happened because of spiritual violence. And you even heard in the, in the testimonies about that woman, April Trudiano. For 10 years, was it nine years? She was sick. She went to, I think, 12 different doctors. She went to, I don't know, many different nations to find for a medicine. When she got it, it didn't help. She spent all kind of money. And finally, when she heard that she had to stop waiting for something to happen, but she had to realize she had to get angry against the sickness on the inside, and she had to take it by force. And sometimes it happens fast, but sometimes you've got to continue to push through until you get your breakthrough. <laughs> to me, it's comforting. It gives me hope. 
Because yes, we do love when things happen, bam, bam, instantaneous. And like I said, I'm contending to see more and more and more and more. But yet, if it's not instantaneous, and it seems that you've got to keep pushing, the good news is there is hope that if you don't stop, if you don't quit, you win. And it's going to even help us in the way we minister to people. Because now it's like I am expecting. I am expecting to see result. I'm expecting the deaf to hear. If I pray for them and they don't get healed the very first time, I don't quit. I don't care. I'm going to keep. I'm going to do it. I mean, as much as time will allow me. You remember, I mean, John G. Lake. How many of you have heard of John G. Lake? He had those healing rooms in Spokane, Washington. And the thing was, the people that went, they saw hundreds of thousands of people healed. But here was the key. People did not leave until they, didn't, they, they got, before they got healed. The, what they call the healing technician would pray for people and they would not give up until the person left healed. That shows me something. That healing is always the will of God. But that sometimes we just have to be tenacious. Bulldoggy kind of, you know, and push through. Because we know God is already given to us. But there is a meaning. Devil, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, while I'm here, I'm going to try to give him trouble as much as I can. But there is a Bible in Isaiah 14 that says that we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see him and we're going to say, this is it. The one who made the nation tremble, this is it. So I'm not going to let that it, this is it. I'm not going to let him stop me from helping people or for getting healed. And I would have so many, I mean, for me personally, the healings that I've experienced, it's always been when I, I refused to quit until I saw my full manifestation. And to me, that's great hope. It tells me God is good. He's not holding anything back from me. It tells me my father wants me to have it more than I, I do. Amen. Hallelujah. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.